your Bible above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying the word from the Lord. Amen. Book of Esther, chapter number four, verses number one. It's some kind of humming or something going on over here on the stage. If you could address that for me. See, I told you the only time I talk about it when I'm something wrong. <laughs> the Bible declares when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. Four declares, when Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her the queen was deeply distressed, she sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathak and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city. Verse 7 declares, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Verse number 8 declares, Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg, everybody shout beg, to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. Verses 9 declares, and Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to, to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servant and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, here's my dilemma. I haven't been called or summoned by the king for the past 30 days. So for me to approach him concerning this matter could very well cost me my life. 13 declares, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you keep silent. <laughs> Mordecai, serious about this thing. You can act all bougie if you want in the king's palace and don't say something when you could. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. Man, that's so powerful right there. Mordecai is so confident that God is going to send deliverance. But he recognized that God wants to use you as the deliverer. And if you choose not to step up and do what you are called to do, deliverance coming from somewhere else. But don't think you're you, you just going to get away. 
For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom such a time as this. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity, God, to minister the word of God to the people of God. I ask Jesus that you would uh, let the words of my mouth and the very meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight. Be, be glorified, my God and my King. I pray that you're pleased with everything that is said, done, even thought <laughs> this moment. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, hey, amen. Let's do this. Um, so for the past couple of weeks, maybe months now, I've been before the Lord um, talking to him about my personal prayer life. I have been unsatisfied with my time in prayer. It's not that I haven't been praying because I have been praying. It's not that I hadn't been receiving answers. Papa, I have been receiving answers. But for whatever reason, that there is, there's, it's just not what I feel my prayer life should be like. So I ask God to help me to cultivate a more deeper, more intimate, more productive time with him in prayer. So for about maybe two months now, I've been on a journey, and I didn't know that all the things that God was teaching me was actually leading me to this point of where I am now. It started out with the situation. I had an agreement with a young man. We went into a business deal together. It was profitable for both he and I. And at the end of the agreement, there was money that was left on the table that was actually my money. Now, again, we both actually profited from the agreement. He got what he was supposed to get. I got what I was supposed to get. But at the end of the agreement, whatever's left is mine. He was unsatisfied, and he felt like, hey, 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 we in this together. So it looked like it ought to be split. You get half, I get half. So I take this to my mentor, and I'm like, my man, eh, should I give him something? I was talking to my wife. I said, babe, what, what should I do? She said, no, uh-uh. <laughs> we ain't giving him nothing. <laughs> so watch this. I stopped talking to my wife. <laughs> And I went to one of my mentors, Pastor Sickers, and I, I brought it to him, and I painted the situation to him, and I said, um, what do you think I should do? And he says, this is what I think you should do. You should read the contract and do what the contract says. So, Adam, I did something I didn't want to do. I read. <laughs> I read the whole thing from beginning to the end. Every line, every paragraph, every, every, everything in the contract. And what I found out was, number one, the money was legally mine. Number two, based on the tenets of the contract, he actually owed me money. 
So he he was he was bugging me, calling me, emailing me, and I, I'm trying. Listen, I'm trying to tell y'all for what what a camera, at? what a camera, what. Look, I just live in Socia. Where I'm from, y'all. <laughs> I be trying to tell these folks this. I just live up there. I'm from the north. Pop, he calling me and he bugging me and all this kind of crazy stuff. So I write him a nice nasty. Y'all read my, look at all these prophets up in here. Look at all these prophets. I wrote him a nice nasty email. And I told him that the money is mine. And I, I put a copy of the contract and I highlighted where the it points to this being on the table is mine. And then I highlighted the points where he defaulted and he actually owes me money. And I gave him the exact number of how much he owed me based on the contract. And it was way more than the little money that was left on the table. And I ended the email something like this, that we can drop this now and go our separate ways, or we can go ahead and go to court, and not only will I keep my money, I'm going to sue you for the money you owe me and then make you pay the legal fees. Guess what? He stopped emailing me. He ain't called call me no more. And then, the next time I saw his business partner, they apologized to me. I bet you did apologize. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? God speaks to me, and he challenges me with the concept that I never really saw like this before. Your prayer closet is actually a legal courtroom. And the reason some of you guys are failing in prayer is because you don't know your contract. You, you, ooh, this, 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 what, this, what, this, what God showed me. This, what God showed me. This, this is my, this is my natural father. My pop literally has supported me all of his life. Pop came to this ministry two years ago. He, after being in a ministry for over, faithfully for over 40 years, he said he wanted to spend the rest of his life serving his son in ministry. Watch this. Pop, I'm going to be honest. When you first came, I prayed because I wasn't sure if it was going to work. This is why I wasn't sure if it was going to work. In order for this to actually work, he would actually have to honor me as his pastor, and I would have to look beyond the familiar relationship of him and my dad and actually minister to him like a member. It has worked because, I mean, to this, first of all, he, he has actually never called me Greg here. Ever. I can't even remember him saying G. And usually nine times out of ten, not every time, but usually nine times out of ten when I call him, he answers, he said, hey, pastor, how you doing? Yeah. 
the reason this is working is because he's looking not just at the fact that I'm his son, but he recognizes me as his pastor. The reason some of you guys, your prayer life is not what it could or should be is because you are allowing the familiar relationship of father to interfere with God's role as judge. Because the way you relate to a father is not the same way you relate. The, the, the father is friendly, the father is kind, the father is endearing, he is entreating. But when it comes to a judge, a judge makes a legal declaration not on the relationship, he makes a declaration based on the law. And if it's not in the law, I love you, but I can't give it to you because it's... A judge says, I'm going to make a current ruling based on my previous rulings. And if you come in my course, you need to know how I have previously ruled to determine and to, oh my God, to put, 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 put that John scripture on the screen. Put, put that on the screen real quickly. The first one, the first one. The Bible declares whatever, everybody shout whatever. Whatever, whatever. shout again, whatever. whatever. Whatever you ask in what, y'all? In my name, Jesus says, this will I what, y'all? I'm going to do it. Now, understand, in my name does not mean in the name of Jesus. It doesn't mean just a declaration of Jesus at the end of your prayer. The word or this phrase in my name means the character or the authority of. Jesus says, whatever you ask that's within my character and within my sphere of authority to do, I will, my God today, his character is revealed in his word. His sphere of authority in your life is revealed in his word. So whatever you do in line with the word, he says, I'm gone. Put the next one on the screen. I just want to highlight. The, the, the second John, yeah. If you abide in me, everybody shout abide in me. He says, he says, if you abide in me, and my word abide in what, y'all? And you ask, everybody shout whatever. Whatever you wish. Now, it's funny. It's funny because um, I used to do that. I did, I did it to Greg Jr. I never did it to Nate. I'm, I hate I missed the opportunity. I did it to Greg. I did it to Charity. Uh, I don't think I did. I did those two for sure. They were like in kindergarten, maybe first grade. I took them to the dollar store when things really were a dollar. Y'all remember those days? And I take Greg Jr., Greg maybe seven, six, seven, eight years old. I take him to the dollar store and I say, hey, 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 you know what's up? Look, hey, look, I don't care what it is. You can have anything in this store, and I'll pay for it. And he's like, anything? <laughs> anything. He's running around the store, and he sees this big old water gun, and he's like, you probably won't. You and I'm like, for you, got it. I told him anything because I realized we're in the confines of an environment where everything is a dollar. So I don't care what it is, the max I'm spending is a dollar and seven cents. So Jesus gives you a license 
if you take this and you put it in you, already know you ain't going to ask for nothing ridiculous and crazy because this is what? Abiding in you. And if it's abiding in you, that means you're going to ask what's in line with this. And whatever it is you ask, I'm going. So God is showing me this, this idea of him not just being father, but he is the judge of the universe. And as judge, when we come before him, there are certain laws that are in place. And in order for those laws to change, we have to appeal to a higher law or see how that law has been dismantled in the past. So I look at the book of Zechariah. Matter of fact, let's go to Hebrews 4.16. First of all, the Bible declares, let us therefore come boldly. Everybody shout, come boldly. Come boldly where? To the throne of grace. The, the, the throne is a seat of legal judgment. And so when we enter into the, watch this, the, the, moment, the moment you tap into prayer, you are standing spiritually before the judge of the universe. And you need to see him in that moment as not just father, but judge. And if he is judge, that means I need to have my stuff together to actually plead my case. Because, see, see, here, here's the problem with most of us. Um, we're not willing to put in the time that it takes to plead a case. Just say it, Pastor. Some of us are lazy, and then some of us are just sloppy. You praying prayers like, Lord, just do it. Lord, just fix it. Lord, just move. What does the book say? Have you actually researched how he has fixed things like this in the past? So when I come before him, I ain't just saying, Lord, fix it. I'm saying, God, you did it for Jeremiah. You did it for Abraham. You did it for Isaac. You did it for Jacob. And you have no respect to person. God, if you did it for them, I believe you'll do it. So I'm standing in court. And, and the scripture declares that I should come Everybody shout boldly to the throne of grace. I've given you access to plead your case. If you got access, are you going to waste his time or are you going to use it wisely? Again, many of us, we're, 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 we're not taking the time to actually think through what you are bringing to God. My, my wife and I, we were watching a fantastic, I won't give you the name of the movie because I'm going to spoil the end. We were watching a fantastic movie, and it was dealing with legal case. And the, 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 the case was drawn out. And in the middle of the movie, it's funny, my wife was excited because the movie was good. I'm excited because God gave me revelation. In the middle of the movie, they, they, they show a scene of the guy that's, that's, that's applying for this lawsuit, and he is weary, he is tired, he's emotionally drained, because this thing is back and forth, tug of war, because he's trying to get his ducks in a row to be able to plead the case to win the favor of what he's requested. My wife, my wife looked at that particular scene and she said to me, she said, I hope I never have to go through that. The reality is that's actually what prayer is. 
It's a tug of war. Whenever the enemy is bringing an accusation, you got to bring something else to cancel his accusation. And some of y'all are leaving prayer defeated because the enemy is better prepared than you are. Because in the courtroom, not only are you there, not only is God there, but the devil, the accuser, the adversary is there also. Watch this. At the end of the movie, $500 million later, all of that agonizing, it was worth it. I'm telling you the answer that God going to give you is going to be worth $500 million later. It's going to be exceeding, come on somebody, abundantly above all you have asked. So, so watch this. God is taking me on this journey because I, 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 I prayed the prayer and he was teaching me and I didn't know he was teaching me. I just got the lesson. It's, it's, like, it's like I finished section one, Jeff. <laughs> I got this lesson, but I don't know how this fits in the, to tola, ta, the, the totality of the scope of prayer, but I got the first lesson. So a little while ago, he started dealing with me concerning the book of Zechariah, chapter number three, and I started studying the book, a message I actually ministered during the men's conference, but I didn't see it until later what it is that God was actually trying to show me. Watch this. In the book of Zechariah, chapter number three, verse number one, the Bible declares, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So you have God there, you have the devil there, and you have Joshua there. Joshua needs a blessing. Joshua needs a miracle. But the devil is standing there saying he don't deserve a miracle. He don't deserve a blessing. He don't deserve anything because of what he has been involved in. So this is what God does. The Bible declares, verse number two, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? So you have God there. You have Joshua there. You have the adversary, the devil there, and Joshua standing in need of a blessing. And watch this. Joshua cannot get a blessing. Why? Because the devil is right. He is dirty, he is sinful, and, and watch this, watch this. The devil needs to be rebuked. The question is, how is it that God is able to use how he's able to actually rebuke the devil? Many of us just look at the fact that because he is God, but watch this, God not only sets the laws, he binds himself by the laws he sets. So if we understand the legal proceeding of how God actually gets rid of the devil, then we ourselves can understand when we are being tormented and challenged by an adversary how we can get rid of him as well. So he says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Bible goes on to declare, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand uh, plucked from the fire? All of these are good. But none of this so far is the actual legal reason why God 
rebukes the devil. We don't get there until verse number three and four. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. The devil went lying. Verse number four, and the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have, watch this, taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Understand, whenever the adversary shows up, he can only show up in places and state that he has legal right. What gives the devil legal right? Sin gives him legal right. And in this house right now, there are some of you all that are being tormented in your minds. Your peace is gone. Your joy is gone. You are not as far along as you could be. And the reason being is, is because you have an adversary present in your life. And the reason the devil is there and can't be rebuked is because you got sin active in your life. So if I actually want to rebuke the devil and make him go, I've got to deal with the sin that has transpired in my life. So what does God say? God says, I am forgiving his sin and I am taking his iniquity away. The very thing that gives the devil legal right to be there, I have taken, oh my God today, I have taken it away from him, and now I'm saying, Satan, the Lord rebuke you, and when I say that, you got to go. Why? Because you know in the courtroom, you no longer have legal right to be So, Bell, I'm tripping. I'm tripping because uh, a part of what was troubling me is that I got a friend who I see the devil wearing him out. I see the devil whooping this boy. And I love this man. And Pop, I'm interceding and I'm praying and I'm believing God and I'm rebuking the devil in the name of Jesus, and nothing that I'm doing is working. The reality is, it ain't getting better. It's actually getting. So when God began to show me this idea of prayer actually being a legal courtroom, if you're going to deal with the devil concerning your friend's life, then you got to do it legally according to the law. You got to do something about the sin that's in your friend's life. Now, 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 watch this. Watch this. I want to highlight the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3, because this is how I knew that this wasn't just him in a backslidden position. This wasn't him just in his flesh. But, but this is something demonic that's actually troubling him. The Bible declares in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3, But if our gospel, this good news, be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, watch this, in whom the God of this world, little g, talking about the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I'm talking to this boy, and I'm trying to, at one point, really, I thought he was playing me. 
because he's smarter than this. He's more spiritual than this. How is it that you cannot see the point I'm trying to make? I see now because you're blind. And it's not that your eyesight is bad. You got something that's present that's putting on blinders. So I recognize from myself if there's something troubling me, I got to I got to ask the question, what's in the camp? And I'm going to give you the five things in just a moment that gives the enemy legal right to trouble you, but I got to ask the question, what is in my life that's giving him legal right? When I look at my friend, I say, I know that it's sin there. What can I do about the sin that's actually giving him legal right? So what I did is I left the courtroom and I went into the biblical library and I wanted to see if there's any laws <laughs> that will help me to help my friend get out of the slump that he's in. And while I was in the biblical library, I found a law that was written concerning how I can help my friend. Jeff, I never saw this law in the Word before. 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask God, he, she, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those whom commit sin that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. So John says, if you got a brother that is committing a sin that's not leading to death, I am licensing you to intercede on his behalf and ask God for forgiveness concerning your brother. And if you will intercede and ask me for forgiveness for him, I will answer your prayers like he prayed it. What, what, what are you trying to say? What, let, let me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying I got the power to make the confession for Jesus for him. I'm not saying I got the power to bring him into this, this ark of salvation. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is I'm helping him to have a chance to see Jesus for himself by helping him, my God, to rebuke, rebuke the enemy that's blinding him. John chapter number 20, verse number 21 the Bible declares, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse number 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Understand, watch how Jesus, if you go back and you, you cruise through the Gospels, Watch what Jesus normally does before he heals or casts out a demon. He would often say, your sins be forgiven you. He himself, as the intercessor, deals with the thing that gives that enemy a legal right to be there. 
And when he deals with the legal right, then he turns to the devil or the sickness and he commands it to go. Why does he command it to go and it go? Because he's God? No, because Jesus himself follows the law. If I get rid of the thing that gives the devil legal right and I command the devil to go, he got to Job chapter number one, verse number four. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Five declared. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. And we understand, watch this, that when the adversary does come, he doesn't come because of legal right of sin. He only comes by permission of God. Why can't he come by legal right? Because as a father, he is interceding, Job is interceding for his children. So, okay, God, I think I got this. I see this imp troubling my brother. I am ministering to him. I'm encouraging him. I'm witnessing to him. And for whatever reason, it seemed like he cannot see this plain truth that's in front of him. I recognize that it's a demon there that's hindering my brother. So, God, you're going to have to help me to get rid of this demon. The demon is there oppressing, not possessing, oppressing because he has a legal right to be there because there's sin in the camp. So I begin to pray and I begin to confess, the, 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 watch this, the visible sins, the things that I knew that my brother was doing wrong. And after confessing, my, my brother, I don't, I don't feel no breakthrough. I don't feel, I don't feel nothing. It's like nothing has happened. So I pause for a moment and I come out of the courtroom and I go into the consultation room. And I ask God, will you show me the sin of my brother? God speaks to me. And he said, all I heard was his sin was an agreement. And what came to mind is Joshua chapter number nine, the unrighteous agreement that the children of Israel made with the Gibeonites. It was an unrighteous agreement. So I took that in prayer and I said, Father, you see the agreement that my brother has made. I ask you to forgive him of this sin of making this unholy covenant this unrighteous agreement, cover and take my brother's iniquity away. When I finish this, I feel something lift in my spirit. That was an indication to me, Pop, that I hit the right sin. So when I finished with this prayer, I left the courtroom again and I went back into the consultation room 
and I asked God again, you showed me the sin. Can you show me the spirit? And God speaks to me. And he says, it's a spirit of pride. So I left the consultation room and I went back into the courtroom. And I confronted the spirit of pride because you no longer have a legal right to be here. Because the thing that tied you to him has now been covered. So I command you to go now in Jesus' name. You want to know what happened? He called me later that day and confessed that he had been wrong and asked me if I could help him. Y'all acting like them folk that was at church last Sunday. I said, I've been trying to minister to this brother for months. And he has not seen my point for months. I asked God what sin gives the enemy legal right to be there. God shows me the sin. I confess it on his behalf, according to the scripture. Then I tap, tap into the spirit realm, and I rebuke the adversary that's troubling him. And now, all of a sudden, <sighs> that that's a little bit better. All of a sudden... The one who couldn't see my point for months is now confessing to me he need my help and asking me for my help. So the question, Raquel, did God do this for me because I'm a pastor or because I just simply followed the law? So if he did it for me, Toya, because I'm a pastor, then 99.9% .9 of y'all in trouble. Yeah. Unless you got a bootleg ministry on Facebook somewhere and you ain't told me about. But if he actually did it for me, not because I'm a pastor, but I chose to follow his law, that means if you got somebody in your life who the enemy has bound and has blind. You can step into the consultation room and ask God, will you show me the sin in my sister's life, in my brother's life, that is giving that devil legal right to be there? And when God shows you the sin, you can come out of the courtroom and confess the sin before the judge, and he is faithful and just to forgive because when I intercede on my brother's behalf, God answers my he answers me as if my brother prayed. 
And you too can come out of the courtroom, go back into the consultation room and ask God, what's the name of the demon? And when you come back into the courtroom, <laughs> in Zechariah chapter number three, God did something there that he don't do no more. In Zechariah chapter number three, verse number one and two, the Bible declares, and the Lord rebuked him. You know what? God don't do that no more. He gave you the authority to do that. Lo, I have given you power for all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Give God a hand clap of praise in this place. I got to do something. I'll do something. You're taking notes. I want you to write this down. Trauma. Hey. Rejection. Unforgiveness. Occult practices. physical objects, sin, trauma, rejection, unforgiveness, occult practices, physical objects, sin. Am I missing one? Watch this. Trauma, rejection, unforgiveness. Curse, curses, thank you. C is curses. Curses, word curses. Occult objects, occult practices, physical objects. Thank you. Sin. Watch this. Whenever you have unhealed trauma, it becomes a dwelling place for the demonic. Everybody shout, Jesus is a healer. In every journey, I need you to hear me. In every journey, whenever there has been a traumatic experience, Along the journey, God will always provide opportunity to begin path towards healing. And many times we stand at this fork in the road where God is challenging us to take a different direction. And for one reason or the other, we hold on to the trauma for some they actually embrace their traumatic experience as their new identity. So it's not, it's, it's not that I got raped, I am a rape victim. There are, some, there are some who embrace their traumatic experience not out of identity, 
but this is the only way people pay attention to me. So to get the attention that I need, I need to continue to highlight. And as you embrace this traumatic experience, over time, it eventually becomes a habitation. Demons. Rejection is the same way. Occult practices, that's, that's obvious. Physical, physical objects is the one that intrigued me. God had to show me in the text. Mentor was teaching me this. I, I rejected this, but this, this is what he showed me in the text. Paul took a physical handkerchief. He anointed, blessed it, and consecrated it. He took the handkerchief, gave it to people, and when the people received the physical object, it brought healing and deliverance. Watch this. Demons were cast out of people simply because they embraced a physical object that had been anointed. So just like a man of God can anoint a physical object to bring about blessings, somebody that know what they're doing, they can anoint a physical object that carries demons that will trouble you. Now, let me say this. I'm not tripping at all about your tattoos. I just say, doggone it, at least know what you're tying on your body. Let me come over this way. Bruh, you from now Gulfport. Okay, none of us speak Japanese. And you got this big old symbol. Bam! What it mean? Man, they told me it mean. Oh, they told you it mean. So, 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 so. So if this physical, physical handkerchief can be blessed and with it demons cast out by the opposite, a physical object can be cursed that brings you spiritual trouble. What if you take that spiritual object and you tape it to your body? Even worse, what if you take the symbol of that object and you permanently paint it on your body? I ain't tripping about your tattoos. Doggone it, just know what you're getting on your body. And then finally, curses, sins. All of these things, they give the enemy legal right to dwell, to hover. And if you want the enemy to be broken off of your life, you got to give up the toys that give him legal right to be there. I'm over time. I got five minutes. And this is what I'm going to do because I got something special. I got something special. Ain't going to take me all day. It's going to take me some extra time afterwards. It ain't going to take me all day. There are some of you all, you know you'd be in trouble. Your peace is gone. Your joy is nowhere near what it needs to be. You do have 
moment, peaks, spikes of happiness when stuff happens. But the spiritual power, joy, love, peace, it's not there because you know something is troubling you. And the reason something is troubling you is because it has a legal right to be there. So, two things gonna happen. Today, I wanna give you the opportunity to legally turn from the thing that is giving the enemy access to you. He's going to pray for you. And I'll, I will tell you the second thing next. My Facebook Live audience, I love you guys so very much. And today, listen to me. Um, I'm going to come back on later and I want to minister specifically to you guys. I want to challenge you today to confess your sins to God. When you confess your sins, the Bible declares he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And for those of you all who feel that thing that's tormenting you, that's taunting you, that's messing with you, from a forgiven state, you will be empowered to speak against it. I want to challenge you to do that. We love y'all. Can we bless the Lord for our Facebook Live audience? So we done with live, right? So if I'm talking to you, meet me at this altar now. Come right now. Stretch across here. Stretch across here. God is so good to me. God is so good to me. God is so good to me. My intercessory team, come stand behind me, please. Hey, Mom, no, stop, stop. Are you coming on your own, sir? If you're still thinking about it, hold it. Just hold it. It's okay. I'm going to pray for you. But they got to come on their own. You okay? Just stand behind me. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I was holding this contract in my hand, and my I had never been as confident in my life as I am right now 
because I realized for the first time just how much God honors his word. His word is law. And if it's written in the law, the judge is going to rule in my favor. And this is all the judge of the universe is asking. If you will confess the thing that you know is wrong and make a choice to turn from it, two things going to happen today. I, we, we got a whole bunch going on after service. When we finish with service today, as many of you all that can stay, give me 15 minutes to meet and greet, and I'm going to meet y'all in the classroom right by the kitchen because I want to spend about 15, 20 minutes showing you how to dominate the power of sin in your life, how to actually bring your flesh under subjection. But Watch this. Because after telling Jesus yes, sin still going to pull on you to go back. But there is a wisdom in the legal document that shows me how to deal with the pull of sin. All God is asking you for right now is to tell me yes and say no to your sin. I'm going to give you a moment to do that. And when you do that, this is what's going to happen. My intercessors are going to touch and they're going to agree and rebuke the enemy off of your life. The thing that's robbing you of your peace, that's robbing you of your joy, they're going to rebuke it. You're going to feel a lightness. You're going to feel a freedom. Some of you are like you have never experienced in your life. And all we're doing it's just following the law. Heads bowing, eyes closed right now. Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity. Hey, God, to walk these people through this process of deliverance. The enemy has been tormenting them, some in their, their dreams, their, their imagination, some lustful thoughts, some murderous ideas. But today, the enemy loses power in their lives because greater is he that's in them than he that is in the world. So right where you are, I want you to begin to confess your sins to God. Tell him, tell him, God, this is what I'm doing, and I know it's wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me. Come on, come on. Ask Jesus to cleanse me and to purge me with your blood. Hey. God, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry Hey, for what I said. I'm, I, I was wrong. Hey. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Hey. Come on, few more moments. Few more moments.
I want you to stay in this moment of consecration. You have confessed your sins to God. You have, you have asked him for forgiveness of sins. And what you have done is you have removed the legal right of the adversary to trouble you. So right now, your brother and your sister is simply going to agree with you. And when you touch and agree on this matter, the enemy that you see today, you will never see again. What has troubled you today will never trouble you again. Let's go to work.